Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome to Wiggins America. We got a really big show for you today. Ghost guns are one of the topics we're going to discuss in this hour. I don't know if it's in light of the news or what. I had the interview scheduled before all of this uh, shooting stuff happened this week. So we're going to go forward with it. And we're going to talk to Lee Williams from the Second Amendment Foundation. Uh, no reason not to. We're talking about constitutional issues and what ghost guns even are with him at the end of this hour. We're also going to talk about cities. What has happened to cities? Do you go into the city more? Do you go into the city less since 2019? Trisha will be in to discuss that. And we're going to talk polling, too, because I want to know how the 2024 election looks right now, according to the polls. Not because I love polls but because they're the best we have, the best predictor we have. They're imperfect, but they, they're better than anything else we've got. So that's what we're going to go off of. My name is Ryan Wiggins. This is Wiggins America. The question that I just want to ask you at the beginning of the show here is, do you think that these problems in the Middle East are a direct result of the policies of Joe Biden? Is everything happening in the world, all of the... Wars that have broken out in the world, are they a direct result of Joe Biden? I'm going to make the case to you that they're not, but they are an indirect result of Joe Biden's bad foreign policy. Because the United States is the world leader, uh, we are still the world superpower. People still look to us to know whether they can get away with things when they are sort of these mischievous, to put it mildly, to, to really to give them a lot more credit than they're due. These awful countries that are starting wars, are they getting away with it because Joe Biden is weak? I think that you can make the case that they are. And that makes you worried that China was, is going to invade Taiwan here within, who knows, the next few months. Because they know that if there is a future President Trump, they're going to get the same thing as they did in term one for President Trump which is, oddly enough, world peace. Can't believe I'm even saying that, but the evidence dictates that that's what we had for four years under President Trump. No new wars. It's the first time you could say that about a, a presidential term in the United States for decades. I think in my lifetime, it's the first time you can say we had four years 
that administration was able to help no new wars start. He was unconventional. He did things that made you question him sometimes and scratch your chin and scratch your head. But they worked. And, of course, he was demonized for those things because they were unconventional. Not because of the results, but because they were unconventional. Case in point, I make this and then we're going to get on with the rest of the show. But this is kind of the point. The Abraham Accords. If there was a time that the Middle East was going to break out into war, it would have been when President Trump moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That was a huge symbolic move that presidents had been promising to do for decades. Again, probably about as long as I've been alive. Presidents, good and bad, have been promising to do that, but all of them were too afraid to stir it up, to stoke the fire in the Middle East. He was so heavy-handed and and basically sure-handed with the way that he was going about business that he did it anyway. And you know what happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing because he governed very, very well. So as an indirect result of the way presidents in the United States handle their business and foreign relations, we have either world peace or we have world war. Love to talk more about the Abraham Accords because I think that really plays into this whole thing uh, and that was started under Trump and, and it was attempted to be continued under Biden but without his bravado without his policies they're just not working let's take a short break like I said this is a short segment to short start the show but we'll be right back stick around call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Show ahead. I'd like to do something here that we're going to do several times between now and November 2024. Can you believe that as we sit right now, we're just a little over a year away from the 2024 elections? Can't get here quick enough, can they? Well, here are the 10 Senate seats most likely to flip in 2024. Now, if you're wondering where this comes from, it comes from CNN. If you're wondering what the map looks like, I'll walk you through that. The first race of the 10 that CNN says is most likely to flip is West Virginia, right now held by Democrat Joe Manchin, but being tested by the former governor of that state. Now, I've looked at polling. I've looked at polling for a lot of these, by the way. And that state in particular, if they have a Republican former governor running against Joe Manchin, it's a shoe in They're going to win it. If they have anybody else, it's going to be dicey, and Manchin could hang on to it. That leads me to believe that their former governor, who's very popular, as is Manchin, actually, other than the fact that he's a Democrat, uh, 
they are okay with electing a Republican senator in, in place of Manchin as long as it's the right guy. And that looks like the right guy. So that said, you're going, well, Ryan, how does just that one seat, because that's where we're starting, how does that one seat affect the map? What does the Senate make up of 2025 going forward, whether that be a President Joe Biden's second term, a President Trump second term, or somebody else? Um, you need 50 if you have the presidency to have the Senate. You need 51 if you don't. So that one seat, given all of the other sort of shoe-in states, which CNN actually does get into here a little bit too, that one state gives Republicans 50. Okay, that said, here's number two that CNN says is most likely to flip. Montana, which currently has a Democrat named John Tester in it. Montana is second most likely to flip simply because Montana is conservative. Give Montana and West Virginia to Republicans. There's 51. It's looking like a good year, guys. But we'll go on with the article here. Number three is Ohio. Also a Democrat. Most likely to flip here. Incumbent is Democrat Sherrod Brown. Now, he's not unpopular in the state, but Ohio has shifted hard right. So it is going to be hard for him to hang on to that seat. You do that, Republicans are looking at 52 seats in the Senate. Now, here's where I think CNN starts to get interesting because that stuff's kind of the no-brainer stuff. Number four, they say most likely to flip would be Pennsylvania. That is also a Democrat. Are you noticing a trend here? These are Democrat-held seats in states that aren't necessarily Democrat strongholds. Now, Pennsylvania is going to be tough, don't get me wrong, uh, but they have had many Republican senators before, and if they have the right guy in there who's not like Dr. Oz, for instance, facing John Fetterman, that could be a flip. If that flips, you're talking about a huge, huge shift Two Republicans in the Senate. Now, here's one that I thought they would have put ahead of that. Arizona. This is a very, very interesting race going into 2024 because, as you know, Kirsten Sinema had been the Democrat from Arizona for a long time, but she switched parties, not to Republican, but to Independent, which isn't really a party, is it? She just kind of switched affiliations to Independent. Well, that leaves the lane open for a Democrat uh, Ruben Gallegos, I think is his name, who is the, the front runner, to run against Kirsten Cinema and a Republican who might be Carrie Lake. Now, I'm going to put aside any personal thoughts I have, positive or negative, about Carrie Lake and say that she is one of the weaker candidates in Arizona right now, simply because she's A, not Trump, and Trump drives turnout in ways that other candidates don't. Even people who coattail Trump don't turn out the same way for Trump. So in 2024, maybe that would happen because Trump will be there on the ballot and maybe she could ride in on his coattails. But anybody else would probably have a little bit easier time, although that is a very difficult race to predict because with an in, a, a sitting senator running for re-election as an independent in Arizona, which is highly independent... You know, maybe barely leans conservative. That's going to be a tough one. So 
Not going to really add that to anybody's column. They move on, though, and here's where it really starts to get problematic for Democrats because that stuff's problematic, but you're talking about maybe two seats <clears throat> that the uh, the Senate would swing there in a, just a normal year. But if it starts to get really bad for Democrats, then you're talking about not just Montana, Ohio, Virgi- West Virginia, uh, maybe Arizona. Number seven on CNN's list is Wisconsin. You say, well, Wisconsin's a swing state. Of course it is, but it's another Democrat. It's Tammy Baldwin. I mean, it, the, the, the year is just not lining up well for Democrats. So you talk about Tammy Baldwin possibly losing that seat. You say, well, Wisconsin, though, yeah, but they have a Republican senator on the other side of the aisle. Um, That is Ron Johnson. So that is very possible. Then they get down to number eight, Michigan. Incumbent Democrat Debbie Stabenow is retiring. It's not a sure thing that a Republican could win that race, but with a popular senator, or at least traditionally popular senator retiring, that's on the table, too, in a swing state. Finally, at number nine, you get your first Republican. And I think they just threw these in because they felt like they had to. Texas, Ted Cruz. Eh, Sorry, he's not going to lose that race. And then finally, number 10, Florida Republican Rick Scott. Eh, Rick Scott's not going to lose that race either. So you're talking about basically just a bunch of, you'd say maybe seven to eight seats that in a Republican wave year, so this would be a big Republican year, let's say Trump does really well, let's say it is Trump-Biden, and Trump um, drives unbelievably low ballot turnout, it's possible. I'm not, not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's possible. That's, that's the high watermark for Republicans is that they end up with something like 55 seats in the Senate. Uh, that would be a huge year. I'd love to talk polling with you. And in fact... I think I may come back in the next hour and talk about the latest polls for president, which is, of course, the marquee stuff that everybody's talking about, not the Senate. But the Senate is, shoot, just as important, if not. I'm not going to say it's more important. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. With all the executive orders and what the president can do to the, uh, the, the swamp or the administrative state, or as Tucker Carlson puts it, permanent Washington the people that you don't elect who are running half of the country right now or more, uh, the president has the most power over that stuff. So that is the most important. But it is really, really important to have both chambers if you're going to have the presidency. And, of course, if you don't, to have a stopgap to put a check on the presidency. The presidency's gotten very, very powerful over the last couple terms, though. Barack Obama started that. Uh, by using the executive order power. Trump continued it, and Biden has continued it even further. So, you know, that stuff, that's that's the marquee race. So we'll come back and we'll talk about that. I think in the next hour we'll make time for that. This is Wiggins America. Thank you for being here this weekend. We will be right back. This is a segment we call Quandaries. Trisha, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. If you're not familiar with Quandaries, we usually find... Moral issues, basically made-up scenarios, ask what would you do. Uh, But some of these, this is a unique segment, because not only do we have some different quandaries, these are riddles that you brought a long time ago that we just kind of revisit every now and then. I think I've finally forgotten the answers, too. I memorized them. I sent you like 100. I memorized all of them. I'm sure you did. But I went through and wrote the answers next to them, because the answers were separate, so that you couldn't see them. Mm Mm-hmm. So I had to go in and write the answers separate, but I don't remember them now. So we're kind of coming at them cold, which is good. 
Um, so I've got a few of these, but I've also got one that's, I think the first time we've ever done this. This is a quandary, but it is a real news story. And this has really happened. This is a real uh, scientist saying this is the way things are. And other scientists saying they disagree or whatever. We'll, we'll decide whether we agree. Okay. So first, let's do some of these more riddled quandaries. First, your, parent, your parents have six sons, including you. And each son has one sister. So you're a boy, mm-hmm. first of all. Your parents have six sons, including you, mm-hmm. and each son has one sister. How many people are in the family? Two parents. Okay, two parents. You got that. Six boys. Six boys. One girl. Ooh, I think you got it. Yeah. Nine. It's nine. It is. Because yeah, the, the logical way your mind goes is that each person has one sister. Yeah, they want you to think that there's addition. 12 kids total. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. exactly. Not today, Riddle, not today. <laughs> no, you can't. You woke up a little bit later than Trisha. <laughs> uh, I am beginning, okay, I am the beginning of sorrow and the end of sickness. You cannot express happiness without me, yet I am in the midst of crosses, which I think is like British for tough times. I am always in risk, yet never in danger. You may find me in the sun, but I am never out of darkness. What am I? I need that again. There okay. were a lot of words. Yeah, I know. It is, this, is, this is a very deep one, but it's very easy. I got it on the first try. I'm just wow, saying. no big deal. I am the beginning of sorrow and the end of sickness. You cannot express happiness without me, yet I am in the midst of crosses. I am always in risk, yet never in danger. You may find me in the sun, but I am never out of darkness. I don't know. There are still so many words. <laughs> yeah, I'm do, the beginning of sorrow. Uh-huh. Do you want me to do this with and hints? End of sickness. Yeah. I'll, I, can, I can read it one more time with like a hard hint to it. Okay. And maybe if you're listening, you'll get it too. Somebody, everybody out there already knows. Everybody's like, (laughs) yeah, everybody's with me because I already got it. Obviously, I am the beginning of sorrow and the end of sickness. You cannot express happiness without me. It's an S. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. There you go. All right, last one of the riddles, and then we'll do the news story here. And I don't know why this is an Arab sheik, but I, I, they wanted to use an Arab sheik in the example. For, Who's they? Uh, whoever wrote this uh, okay. stuff. Uh, maybe it's because of camels. They wanted to have camels involved in this one. Um, <laughs> an Arab sheik. They have some very specific preferences. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, and it, it, I was like, well, you don't really need to like make this Middle Eastern for no reason. But an Arab sheik is old and must leave his fortune to one of his two sons. That's the situation. He makes a proposition. Both sons will ride their camels in a race, and whichever camel crosses the finish line last will win the fortune for his owner. During the race, the two brothers wander aimlessly for days, neither willing to cross the finish line because whoever crosses sure. last wins. Mm-hmm. In desperation, they ask a wise man for advice. He tells them something. Then the brothers leap onto the camels and charge toward the finish line. What did the wise man say? How did he solve this quandary? Hmm. So the father needs to leave his fortune. Yep. 
to the sons, whoever has... Yeah, two sons. Mm-hmm. He's going to die. He's going to leave his fortune mm-hmm. to just one of them. And Is the, his fortune actually debt? Ooh, it's a good outside-the-box thinking, but no. It's a legitimate fortune. Let's say it's gold doubloons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to leave a bunch well, of case. real money to his sons. Did you get this one right away? No. I, it Well, I thought about a lot of angles like you are right now. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I just don't think I've got it, though. I had some answers, but I don't think I had the right one. And then when I looked it up, I said, yeah, that's probably the best one. Is it pretty obvious? I don't know. It's it's not easy. Let okay, me read it one more one time. More time. And, I, and since I know the answer, I'll read it and kind of like emphasize what you need to hear here and see if you can figure this out. Both sons will ride their camels in a race. And whichever camel crosses the finish line last will win the fortune for its owner. So the brothers wander aimlessly riding their camels for days, neither willing to cross the finish line. In desperation, they ask a wise man for advice. He tells them something, and the brothers leap onto the camels and charge toward the finish line because they know how to determine the winner now. You Mm. figured it out? Nope. Okay. The wise man whispers to them, why don't you just switch camels? Because it's whichever camel crosses the finish line last. So if you're on your brother's camel, then you'd want to finish first. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I mean. I know. It made me a little angry. But I'm like, but that is the obvious way to handle that situation. It's the best answer. I guess so. I came up with a few others, but I can't remember now. So I said, oh, what about this and that? But that, that one, I was like, yeah, I mean, you got it. <laughs> kind of that di- old wise man he gets us every time. Kind of a disappointing quandaries, I feel. <laughs> Why did we pick that? Why That's are we terrible. doing this segment at all? Um, here, this is the news story that I want to get to. Real news: Stanford scientist, after decades of study, concludes that we don't have free will. And so the example he gives is that before epilepsy was understood to be a neurological condition, people believed it was caused by the moon or phlegm in the brain. That would be the scientific looks. Uh, They condemn seizures as evidence of witchcraft or demonic possession, which is why they're still called seizures. It's like you're being seized by Mm -hmm. something. And killed or castrated sufferers to prevent them from passing tainted blood to a new generation. Obviously, he's using like Middle Eastern examples. I'm not Middle Eastern, Middle Ages examples. So today we know that epilepsy is a disease. By and large, it's accepted that a person who causes a fatal accident while in the grip of a seizure should not be charged with murder because it's an accident. That's good, this Stanford scientist says, neurobiologist Robert Saplosky. That's progress, but there's still a long way to go. He says, after more than 40 years studying humans and other primates, Saplosky has reached the conclusion that virtually, I love the qualifier, Virtually. <laughs> oh, really? Why don't you, you're going to say it, then say it. All human behavior is far beyond our conscious control as the convulsions, convulsions of a seizure would be. The division of cells or the beating of our hearts. Your thoughts. He's saying there is no free will. Everything is predetermined by the cells in your body and the conditions that you are born into. Hmm. I think I disagree with that. I think that we have some conditions that are biological, but 
wouldn't an addict breaking an addiction be contradictory to that? Well, he's saying, but that's just part of their DNA. You know, whatever is going to happen, there's really no way to disprove him because he's literally saying anything that happens was the result of that being programmed into you in some way or another. So you were programmed to both have alcohol addiction and and be able to have the will to overcome it. He's saying all of that would be a part of this. Mm, I don't know how to argue with this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's really (laughs) hard to. But here's where the article goes that I I stopped there because the point I was going to make, the article actually makes. It says, this means accepting that a man who shoots into a crowd has no more control over his fate than the victims who happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or somebody who commits some terrible atrocity. Well, that's just the way they were made. Uh, It means that treating drunk drivers who barrel into pedestrians just like drivers who suffer a sudden heart attack that veer out of their lane. Basically, well, it was all predetermined. And Mm, he says... This is the whole nature versus nurture thing. Yes, it is. But he says, quote, the world is really screwed up and made much, much more unfair by the fact that we reward people and punish people for things they have no control over. We've got no free will. Stop attributing stuff to us that isn't there. That's where it's turned the corner for me. I I just don't agree with this person. Yeah, because what he's saying, if you were to take this philosophy, and he's admitting this, it's not like it's like, well, you wouldn't really want to do that. He's saying this. That if you took this philosophy to its natural conclusion, that you would never have, you would never punish anyone for anything, because there is no free will. So if you did the worst thing possible to anyone, the victim that was their destiny. The person perpetrating it, a rape person, you know, a, a rapist and a rapee, they would be the same. That there would be no. I don't know that that's the. I don't know that that's the logical conclusion. I think that the lot be. Because you'd still need order to for societies to function. So you'd still need a law and order piece of the equation. So punishment would come from the need for the like greater good of society, not because you don't think that. So I think there are plenty of people that are punished for crimes that were circumstantial or unfortunate or a lapse in judgment. Now I do believe that people have free will in those situations. But I also think that there are times when people do things that are out of character or uh, that ruin their lives. Frankly, they get behind the wheel when they shouldn't have. They drank too much. They're, you know, whatever the case may be. But the punishment isn't because they chose or did not choose. It's because you need to keep a rule to society. You need to keep order. Yeah. I tell you what, I mean, what you're saying is actually you could you could argue with him even in his own philosophy that the punishment part of this, the law and order part of this, is just that person's destiny. So he's actually making, he's stupidly stopping before he gets to that point. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That he's saying that, well, nobody should be culpable for their own actions. But what if society says, uh, well, we need police officers to make sure people aren't walking around murdering people. Well, that's that person's destiny then, too, is to be a law and order agent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just think this guy is one of those people that probably went down the magic mushroom path at one point. And his mind was expanded so wide that that it doesn't. They're like, okay, guy. I I agree with you. But um, 
this is a Stanford scientist saying this. <laughs> okay, guys. These are our leading institutions yeah. pushing this. And the conclusion that he's coming to out of this is that really nobody should be punished. There should be basically anarchy. That's what he has come to the conclusion of. Look, we've all seen The Purge. It doesn't end well. No. It's not no. It's not good. We have to have rules. But I think it's it's interesting because this is what our, our thought leaders in the United States are saying. Sure. <clears throat> even if he's not you know, indicative of everybody. But he's obviously got, I mean, look at him. He looks like a very smart guy. He's got yeah. kind of long he's hair, nice big beard. Yeah, he's contemplative, wearing yep. a nice sweater. eyes a little red and glazed over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clearly he's made a living for himself doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure he's very brilliant. I, I, I think it's, I don't know that I agree with his conclusion. But I, I think I don't either. I, I completely disagree. I'm with you. But I'm just saying, I think the, the conclusion I've come to is that this kind of stuff is being seeded in our academic institutions so that people will go out into the world and basically view all criminals as victims. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of the conclusion that I took from this. And it's it it's like he's taking it one step further and saying, I think I can actually put science behind that rather than just feelings now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that there's... Uh... Very rarely is there a black and white answer to anything. I think some criminals are victims. I think some criminals are not. I I do believe that we have that free will. Mm-hmm. I think we exercise it daily. Well, uh, what comes to your mind when you hear the term ghost guns? Because for me, it was a U.S. government project that was able to finally find a weapon that could kill ghosts. Yeah, I was thinking, you remember the movie Casper? Mm-hmm. Um, I... Like, I attribute it to weapons in that film. Mm-hmm. You know, that could kill they, ghosts. Yeah, that if they had to fight the bad ghosts, mm-hmm. that... Yeah, so I think we're on the same page. Yet. Okay, so I think what, what we're going to find out is that maybe we're in a bubble. That we believe that killing ghosts with weapons is not exactly what ghost guns are when people refer to that term. I think this might be the only thing that I firmly believe is black and white. So Lee, <laughs> Lee Williams of the Second Amendment Foundation is going to come in next to specifically educate me on ghost guns. Because whenever I hear the term, I'm like, we got to talk about it. It's interesting, though, now that we're talking about it, the ghosts are um, virtually already dead. So I'm not sure why we'd need the guns. So maybe it's guns that ghosts carry. This is the kind of stuff that the Stanford scientists probably should take on. I agree. Yeah, We're going to talk with Lee Williams next about actual ghost guns and i'll bring this stuff up with him yeah make sure you ask him like is it guns fighting ghosts or ghosts fighting with guns yeah i I should probably just lead with that yeah okay stick around 971 fm talk this is wiggins america so this is a topic that i've been interested in for a long time so i'm a second amendment guy but i'm not quite as into the gun culture as maybe some of my uh co-hosts and other people at the station are, but this topic, every time I see it, I say, ooh, I want to know more about that. It's ghost guns. And the headline here is that the Supreme Court has handed Joe Biden a victory over ghost guns. So I brought in the experts to tell me a little bit more about this topic, not only the Supreme Court, but ghost guns in general. Lee Williams is here. He's the gun writer. He's also the chief editor for the Second Amendment Foundation's investigative reporting project, among many other things. Lee, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So explain to me and and anybody listening who may not be as familiar, although I'm probably, our listenership is probably more familiar with this than even I am, so you're probably just talking to me here, but explain ghost guns. Well, first of all, there's no such thing. Ghost guns is a creation by the mainstream media and 
and whoever's pulling Joe Biden's strings in the White House. I prefer homemade guns. Uh, and you have to realize that Americans have been making guns in their home since before there was a United States of America. Uh, most of the, the Minutemen were carrying rifles that they had made or friends had made. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a stupid term. It's something ghost guns came up with uh, from the mainstream media. It just means homemade firearm. And right now in this country, in some states, like where I live in, in Florida, you can buy a kit and they'll send you a kit and you can put it together. And I've done two uh, Glock clones on it. And it's not easy. It's not really that difficult, but they don't have a serial number because when you're buying it or you're getting it, it's not a firearm. Thus, it does not require a serial number, which freaks a lot of people out. But let me tell you, having put two of these Glock clones together, I doubt the bad guys have that capability or or the skills to do it. So (laughs) Biden has this tremendous bugaboo about all things Second Amendment. One of the things he wants to crack down on are homemade firearms. And we caught him, we caught the ATF, uh, fudging the data, skewing the stats on the numbers of these involved in crimes. One thing you should know is that they consider it a ghost gun if it, doesn't, if it wasn't equipped with a serial number or if the serial number was removed by a bad guy, which is already a federal felony. So they're, they're, they've juked the stats on this one issue for a long time. They'd I, like to see him removed. The gun community does not want that. We we took ATF to court. The, a judge enjoined the ATF from enforcing any of its quote unquote ghost gun statutes. The Supreme Court canceled that judge's order. So uh, will we win? Yeah, uh, ATF could technically enforce the ghost gun crap right now, but it is a it is a victory for the White House. But it is a very minor victory because in the end. Thanks to some recent Supreme Court decisions like Bruin, homemade firearms will remain as they should. They should be legal. Lee, I almost can't believe it when you say that the Biden administration has been manipulating data on literally anything, <laughs> um, but especially on guns. I mean, I, I I thought they were beyond the pale on these things, but so this is a little bit news to me. Uh, but let me just ask you this, since you brought it up. When, you, when it comes to a federal agency like the ATF, is this an agency that, depending on the president, is going to act differently? Or is this the ATF kind of is doing its own thing regardless of who's in office? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I do a lot of media interviews, and that's probably one of the best questions I've ever had. Um, they are like a, like a flag. They're going to bend whichever, the w- whichever way the wind is blowing. When Biden came into office, he weaponized the ATF. He made it very clear that he was going to go after law-abiding gun owners and law-abiding gun dealers. And ATF was only too happy to comply. Um, mm. Everything that they have done, all these executive orders that uh, Joe has has unleashed them with, have been overturned in court. They've lost on bump stocks. They've lost on pistol braces. They're going to lose uh, their shirt on a bunch more of these things, binary triggers. That ATF's biggest issue, and, and the courts have found this, they want to be judge, jury, and executioner. They want to be able to write the law and enforce the law. And they get away with that by trying to write these rules, they call them. Well, Congress makes the laws. ATF is part of the executive branch, so they should enforce the laws. So some courts have, have, have called them out for wanting to write and then enforce their own laws. Wow, Lee, you are, I mean, just describing 
deep Washington, the swamp, permanent Washington, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's exactly the problem with the administrative state is that they think they are both above the law and that they write the laws, and none of this stuff is constitutional. Exactly, exactly. I mean, thank God we have that Supreme Court decision brewing because that's going to help a lot with a lot in a lot of these blue states. But I will tell you this, we're seeing a lot of these blue states uh, – Back, a lot of backlash from them on the Bruin decision. We call them post-Bruin tantrum laws. They are writing laws they know are unconstitutional, but it's going to take us and our money and our time to go and fight these laws for our members in, the, in these states. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. There, You've actually got state legislatures and governors writing and signing laws they know are unconstitutional. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I live in Illinois, so uh, uh, tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, we're in St. Louis, of course, right now, where I stand, we're in God's country here in Missouri. But um, in Illinois, I mean, we have seen not just with this issue, but with many others, abortion and, and other things, too. They, they will sign laws knowing that they're illegal just yeah. to, to get the time. Oh, that's OK. We'll let it play out in the courts and have a few years here where we, it is technically legal and we can enforce it until the court slaps it down. Well, the Second Amendment Foundation, my employer. Um, we have more than 50 lawsuits active right now throughout the country in defense of the Second Amendment. Uh, we will win them all. We are not going to take a case that unless we're sure we can have a victory, but it just takes time and it takes money. Um, and I wish, you know, and, and these lawmakers in these blue states, it's like they're playing with house money in Vegas because none of it affects them personally. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's, they, they got all the money they want. They can go after their political opponents, for instance. I mean, theoretically, they could legally go after people they didn't like politically. I would hate to see that happen in the United States someday. Um, let, me, <laughs> let me ask you this before we run out of time here, Lee. Um, where So the average person who wants to own a homemade firearm, make something themselves so that they have the constitutional right to do, where are they right now with all these sort of opinions that are percolating, these lawsuits that are happening? What does the average person need to know that you can explain to them? Well, you need to go to one of their websites, and their websites are right out there to find out if you live in a state where homemade firearms are legal. Thank God I live in Florida where they are. And you know what? I'll tell you, it, they're kind of fun to make, too. Um, I, had, I had a great time. It took me four hours on the first one, about three hours on the second one. They're very fun to put together. They're difficult. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm from, uh, I don't have a technical background. I'm far away from that. So I could do it. Anybody can do it. Uh, it's, they're very fun to put together. So make sure you live in a state where they're legal. You can order them online. They're shipped right to your house. Lee, uh, where do people connect with the Second Amendment Foundation, which you are a part of? They can go to saf.org. SAF is in Second Amendment Foundation.org, or you can go to my website where everything I write is there, uh, thegunwriter.substack.com. And can they find out about their own state's laws in these places too? Oh, yes. SAF is just chock full of cool data. Well, Lee, I appreciate your time and your knowledge on this subject. We'll have to have you back anytime we have gun issues popping up like this because I appreciate the info. As somebody who's kind of a a uh, non-casual observer, somebody with a vested interest without being in the culture myself. I like hearing about these things. So thanks for your time. My pleasure. Anytime. And we'll take a short break. At the end of this hour here, we're wrapping up, and we'll have another full hour coming up, so stick around. Get more at 971talk.com.
Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 